Tonight we watched Grace of Monaco, starring Nicole Kidman. The man with the power of a small goat. <laughs> what? Flophouse. I'm Dan McCoy. Hey guys, I am Stuart Wellington. Welcome to Send the Spider to the Fly. Oh, wow. In that this works. case, the fly is you, the listener, and the spider, myself, Elliot Kalin. <laughs> the call <laughs> Thanks for come. punctuating my sinister entrance <laughs> with a beer can. I thought it would sound like a creepy door creak. No. <laughs> Stuart has a something called sound deafness. I've, I've never <laughs> he can't heard tell a the difference can between sounds. <laughs> Get out of here. The Elliot is, call- is coming from inside your ears. Ah, there's an Elliot in your brain. Uh, and he is sorry. Stuart. That second beer. Give me now. another beer. Or did you just finish a beer within milliseconds <laughs> of opening gonna, it? I think you are being hyperbolic, because that's not milliseconds. Uh, they were full seconds. All the fizz and cold is going to be gone from that by the time you get around to that second beer. Not if I'm drinking it right, Dan. <laughs> As he pours two cans into his mouth at the same time. Glug, glug, glug. Glug indeed, Dan. Let's get the show indeed. on the... Road? Look, the first thing I want to say, in the last episode, I made a lot of errors about where different bands were from, <laughs> yeah. and where different movies were set, and I have something I want to <laughs> but, admit, but they all, But they all, you, both of them were Scotland, Australia, I was consistently mixing up Australia and Scotland, which pains me because- Very similar accents. I love Scotland dearly. I've been there a number of times. <laughs> and you hate Australia. In Australia, I could take or I could leave. I don't sure. know much about it except that they have crazy animals that nobody else has that have pouches for, I guess, storing their pens and their loose change. And they have all of the most poisonous things in the world. That's, yeah. that's what makes me scared to visit Australia. I'm like, all of the most poisonous animals are just centered on this one Elliot, And they can vote. Yeah. Elliot, are you being serious? <laughs> Yahoo serious. <laughs> you got me. Famous Scotsman, Yahoo serious. Oh, no, I did it again. So here's the thing. I want to apologize and admit something. I never learned to read. Oh, really? Maps. Oh, okay. I don't know what a legend or a key is. Mm-hmm. I, longitude, flatitude. You've I don't heard know what those of the legend are. of Curly's gold, though. Yeah, yeah, of course. I was thinking about this the it other day. It turns out the real gold, <laughs> the real, real gold go, was Curly's children. <laughs> yeah, Dan? I was thinking about What is the legend of Curly's <laughs> That Curly had some gold. I know. That's it. That's not really a legend. It's not like... It would be a legend Curly. if it wasn't true. <laughs> Curly had gold, they say, that had the power to move mountains and stop the tides. I mean, like that would be a legend of Curly's so gold. So what constitutes? I thought that was the legend of Yuli's gold, starring <laughs> Peter Fonda. Just the idea that, just the idea that Curly had some gold is more of a rumor. <laughs> there's a rumor of Curly's it's gold. It's a legend that there's a lot of gold out there. I mean, in the City Slickers verse. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, Curly's yeah. gold is yeah. this legend in that the, everybody talks in about. The verse. <laughs> Everyone was aware of it. That's why it was big front page news when Billy Crystal's character, Tom Crystal, discovered cri- discovered Curly's gold. It's like Hitler's secret gold in yeah. the in the Slickerverse. It was 
Curly's gold, because Curly was the Hitler of that universe, <laughs> who, having lost World War II, instead of killing himself in a bunker, retired and became a rank, you know, a rustler at a dude ranch. Weirdly enough, didn't change his name. No, kept it. Well, that's what drew a lot of people to the ranch, was this famous historical figure worked there. Mm-hmm. That adds context to the movie. Also, right. the fact that he was a famous actor. Jack Palance kind of helped things, too. Because uh, <laughs> in the Slickers verse, there's a number of scenes where you notice Billy Crystal's character, Tom Crystal. He goes, uh, Jack, I mean Curly, because mm-hmm. he, he's Jack Palance also. All right. Well, you've convinced so me. So you got it. You figured it out? To put yeah. it in the Palance of our times, oh, <laughs> I was LOLing. And that's my review of City Slickers 2, <laughs> <laughs> The Legend of Curly's Gold. <laughs> I love it to this movie. Part two of the City Slickers cinematic universe. So somebody could use that on the back of a VHS cassette tape box, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, yeah, go find a (laughs) tape box for a VHS tape for The Legend of Curly's Gold and slap Elliot's quote on it. Just put a piece of masking tape on there and write on it in pen and marker, I LOL. This is our mission to you, Flophouse Nation. Go out and do it. If every... If every DVD and VHS box of I just City said Slickers VHS 2, box. Okay, just VHS. Maybe it was never released on DVD due to lack of interest. If every box of it in the nation doesn't have that that legend, another mm-hmm. use the word legend emblazoned on it yeah. by the end of what the year, then we failed as a podcast. By the way, I love the idea that it never made it to DVD, but it's like part of the Warner's archive where they, if you ask for it, they'll DVD print up demand. a special DVD for you. <laughs> it never Wait, happened. <laughs> Is it like they're laboring under some kind of curse where if you ask for a movie, they have to give it to well, you? Well, it's not, that they, not a curse. It's a business model. <laughs> yeah, oh, okay. It's called capitalism. <laughs> that makes movies available that are not worth Oh, do you have to produce. pay them for it? Yes, oh, you okay, pay them that money. Makes, makes they're not Rubble Stiltskins. Come on. <laughs> you rub a lamp. I figured out the name. It's Warner Brothers. You rub a lamp and Jack <laughs> Warner comes out of it, and he's like, what do you want, kid? And you're yep. like, I want a DVD. You figured out my name. School. Little Jack Warner was sitting in a corner. <laughs> Eating what pudding and pie or some shit, uh, and a dog came beside pudding him. Pudding and pie kind of looked like pie, shit. steak and pie. And then a spider came along and scared him off his tuffet. Uh-huh. Am I remembering the story of the and Warner then there Brothers wasn't correctly? Any food in the in the cupboard. And then they made Casablanca. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's been heady times over here in uh, Flophouse <laughs> Land. Big changes for Elliot over at your job. That's Uh-oh. right, and that I don't have one. You don't have anymore. a job. Just a rag. I was rag wondering whether we were going to do this or not. There was Elliot a, came by with I mean, his stick and bindles. Like, like you said, whether they were going to do this as if I planned something with Stuart. <laughs> Stuart just started bringing it up. And I have no secrets from the Floppiverse except what I masturbate to because yeah. you would be horrified. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a lot of Lovecraft porn. Uh-huh. It's called, I mean, it's just called Lovecraft. It's the craft of love. And okay. that involves a lot of un, undescri- indescribable tentacles. It's the a, thing is, it's a website called Cthuboobs. <laughs> yeah, I, and it's, that's got to exist. It's all erotic stories, but the the women are indescribable. <laughs> yeah, the, the the sex that took place was was too, indescribably too, was hot, indescribably <laughs> sexy, involving non-Euclidean sexual geometries. Yep. The what the Dunwich whore. <laughs> yep. The poon that. Came to Karnath yeah. or whatever. You don't really need to change at the at the mountains of madness. No, They're and just, nope. you know. and the call of Cthulhu boobs. Yeah. Um. The wet dream quest of unknown Cadith. Perfect. <laughs> I guess we're not really going to explain what. So here's so here's the thing. There was a shake up at the Daily Show. There's a new host there. Shake there, it up. And I was forcibly ousted by myself from the job of head writer yeah. and have decided to embark on... You burned yourself an effigy? Yeah. Yeah, you're going to walk the earth. I'm going to walk the earth as a 
semi-employed writer for a little while, and then I'll get another job uh, and work on other things. The time Look, for daily topical comedy for me has come to a close. He's probably going to work at my bar as a, I don't know, like a bartender, barback. Yeah. Or like bar, like in Barback Mountain. Or a barker. That's you'll stay, about, you'll right? see it out front. Extra, uh, extra. <laughs> come on in. I don't want to say extra. That's a newsboy That thing. is a terrible audition. <laughs> People do. <laughs> I got to say. Wait, no. Come on in and have a drink on the house. Better. Wait. Stuart Wellington. No. Our listeners do worry. They do fret. We. I just want to underline something that you said, that you did this by choice. Oh, entirely by choice. I yeah. was uh, not, I don't want to say this too strongly because I feel like it might look, it might, it's not complimentary to uh, my replacements as head, as head writer and kind of general management <clears throat> writers, but like that I was, I, if it was not a beloved, it was not a decision that a lot, that some of that the people at the show were like crazy about that I was leaving. It was very much a case of them wanting me to stay and I just, I'm kind of, I, I'm burnt out on the forever. schedule of that show, and I've been there a long time, and I yeah. wanted to take a break from topical material. So, I mean, that's what it comes down mm-hmm. to. Were they like, no, but stay, You're not taking please. a break from topical ointments, though. I need them. You love them. <laughs> I need them so bad. <laughs> but I, what it, really, it really came down to, like, I needed a break for from eczema. news, and I was tired of seeing my son for an hour a day mm-hmm. during the week. So... The, the most the in that most, hour you're usually like drilling him on his uh, historical facts. Oh yeah, it's a history cram school entirely. <laughs> and and Spider Man, like, nineteen months trivia. old. Why can't you pre- why can't you pronounce Kashushko properly? But uh, yeah, Spider Man stuff. Well, that's history, yeah. but uh, American history tradition. X. Men, <laughs> American history X Men, in which Ed Norton plays uh, I don't know some kind of racist mutant. Which uh, reminds me, Spider Man and the X Men out in a trade paperback now. Thank you very much, Spider Man and the X Men, written by Elliot Kalin, out. In the collected edition now, the entire series in one volume. Pick it up. You're going to love it and enjoy it. Please, I need the money. I'm out of work right now. So Mm -hmm. please go pick up Spider-Man and the X-Men. Why are we doing plugs at the beginning? I don't know. We haven't even explained what this podcast is. We're 10 minutes in and we haven't done anything that we normally do. The podcast commenters are going to be so mad. With this movie. Well, and... uh, Dan, well, what do we do on this podcast? Uh, this is a this is the Flophouse podcast. I'm Stuart Wellington. <laughs> Dan McCoy. And I'm Ellie Cable from the Spider to the Fly, etc. <laughs> Let's we're rebooting, we're looping this. Yeah, uh, this we're is Groundhog a- Daying this. <laughs> on this show, we watch a bad movie and then we talk about it. And in this case, we watched a movie. Oh, what a stinker! That did not even make it to oh, theaters. We watched it in, in America. America. Uh, uh, abroad, it was not actually that big of a It flop. was a movie about abroad. Her name? Grace Kelly. <laughs> yeah. We watched Grace of Monaco, a movie that uh, debuted at the Cannes Film Festival to thundering dislike. I, it dares to answer the question, does anyone give a shit about what happens to Monaco? Yeah. And the answer was a resounding no. But this is a movie that debuted at Cannes and only... Now, only you, aired wait, on wait, Lifetime, <laughs> the Lifetime Network in America. That's why they call it In the Can when Let, you complete a film. It's now, pronounced Can. Now, by debuted in Can, do you mean that it was so bad it debuted in someone's butt? No. <laughs> nor <laughs> did yeah. Nor did it debut in the Oscar the Grouch garbage can. Hey, what if I called you and prank called you? Hey, do you have Grace of Monaco in the Can <laughs> <laughs> film festival? <laughs> I'd say, uh, but of course. Well, let it out. It needs to be seen. I do not understand this joke. <laughs> Goodbye. Hang up. <laughs> but then come back, Americans. Francois, who was on the phone? I do not know. It was talking about Grace. Grace who? Of Monaco. Oh, and then we give each other <laughs> uh, That was our, I uh, guess, 
theatrical performance? Yeah, which know. Frenchman were you? Were you famous Frenchman? <laughs> yeah, it was Maurice Chaval. <laughs> and who were you, Stuart? Uh, I was the Pink Panther. <laughs> the Pink Panther 1 is a diamond. <laughs> <laughs> Clouseau is not the Pink Panther. I was the French guy called the Pink Panther. Nobody's called that. I think you're wrong. All right. Um, much as Peter the, Sellers played him, I much think. Much as the Thin Man in the the Thin Man movies is not actually Nick Charles, the Pink Panther is not Peter Sellers. Boy, guy. isn't he? He gains weight every every Lost movie. Out, huh? It's all the drinking. Lose anyway, wait. Nick Charles. Dan, well, it's a fictional character that you've just fat shamed, so uh, congratulations to you. Your life yeah. is where you want it to be. Dan, so this movie, it premiered Grace on in America and the Lifetime Network. Yeah. Uh, so we would consider it a TV movie, even though it was, it's a clearly a feature film. Let me tell you this. It's got Nicole Kidman in it. Every dollar of the budget <laughs> is on screen. Yeah. It's lush. It's lavish looking. It was directed by the guy who made La Vie and Rose. It's got yeah. Tim Roth in it. Tim yeah. Roth is in it. The, uh, the mark of highest, I guess, quality. I mean, like I love Tim Roth, but he's made some bad. I mean, decisions. he's a good investment in a movie. That's why they're called Roth IRAs. Mm-hmm. Oh, I get. Yeah. Paz Vegas in this. Yeah. Of Nurse 3D. Latin for the vegan piece. <laughs> Latin for I can't believe oh, no, she's be not nude in this movie. <laughs> but she uh, always is. Uh, Robert Loja is no, not in this Frank movie. <laughs> I believe that Paz Vega shot her scenes nude and then they digitally added clothes to her in post. That That's where sense. the budget went. But this is the uh, Frank Langella's in it as maybe the worst priest in the world mm-hmm. since he spends his time hanging around a palace giving advice to a princess. <laughs> Uh, rather than helping the poor or preaching to anybody. I don't think he mentions God once in the whole movie. No, I gotta, like, most of his lines feel like they were ADR work anyway. Like, I think he agreed to do the movie only if he didn't actually have to walk around or... Well, he pulled a Frank Langella, which means he just speaks all of his lines in kind of a calm, even tone and leaves it up to you to read emotion or drama into it. Yeah, well, a- Elliot reveals himself as... Elliot. Huh? Not a, not a Frank <laughs> Langella fan. I think Frank Langella is good when he's trying, but I've seen too many things where he's not trying, and he has a natural gravitas, yeah. and he just coasts on that. Now I hate like to, a Morgan Freeman, kind of, yeah, in a way. I, I hate to be a name dropper, but I did see him in a play once oh. where he played a hilariously over the top effeminate character, and he was very funny in it. So right. like when he's trying, he can be very good. I sure. saw in that movie another star of the play. Are you saying that? And, and also in that play, Derek Jacobi, also in Grace of Monaco. Oh, sure. As he's the, always great. Uh, Bagger Vance type character who is a gay man who comes from no, or I assume he's gay, comes from nowhere and he's definitely teaches coded Grace gay, if how not to be a he's, gay. he's coded in gay like chocolate. Yeah, he's coded in gay. <laughs> no, I, I went. Uh, that comes with a gay coding. That's another two thousand dollars. They put that in at the factory. I can't yeah. take that out. I could talk to my manager about maybe knocking a thousand bucks off of the gay coat, but <laughs> I, my hands are real. Um, I'm, I'm tied on this one. You know, I can't really lower the price. Too this, much is more. A, this is just a. This is just a thing he's going through. Dan, he he's not actually going to go to his manager for this. No, no, oh, no. I'm going to go talk to my manager about it. You, I want to give I don't you. Know the, why he would lie to me about this? You guys want? He's not your friend. Dan. When you he's walked, pretending to be your friend. When you walked on the esteemed British actors' lot and you looked at this Derek Jacobi, <laughs> you said you wanted it at a very fair price, and I promised you that. And I want to give you as fair a price as I can, you know. I loved him in the Olivier Othello, Dan, but I don't know if <laughs> I don't know if I, we need him in this gay coding. Yeah, I just want to know frills, Derek Jack. <laughs> no, 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 look, I'm not I'm not trying to upsell you on a lot of stuff, even though 
I think you would really love the upsold model. Uh, he looks like he's already got a lot of miles on. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, let's just say he's an experienced drive. Let's say that. Okay. He's got. If you want to go with a, uh, I, I don't know, like a a. Uh, What's the guy? Who, I can't remember his name now. The guy who played was in that NBC Dracula show. You know, he's invented like Beckham and, so, and stuff. Uh, Ian Holm? No, no, he played Steer Pike in the Gormagas TV show. You know who I'm talking about? Ian McKellen? No, it's not. No, Ian McKellen. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're just just bought Christopher just Lee. Christopher Lee sadly is no longer available. They're not making that model anymore. But if you want a younger model, go ahead, take one. If you want an Eddie Redmayne. I could sell you one of those. You get overcharged. It's going to break down. You have a Jupiter ascending on your hands. You don't want that. Derek Jacoby, <laughs> nice, solid. You could always rely on it. This Derek Jacoby, previously just owned by some old lady, just he acted at church every now and then. Did Derek Jacoby ever win the Academy Award for Best Actor? For Best Jacoby? I don't know. <laughs> You'd think he was in the category he was born to win it. That. But uh, Eddie Redmayne has. Yeah, that's the weird From thing. Jupiter ascending. Yeah, he won for Jupiter ascending. <laughs> Um, so we haven't really talked about this movie at all. So the movie tells the story of a brief moment in Grace Kelly's life. Grace Kelly, of course, one of the big stars of the screen. Mm-hmm. Yeah. From, uh, uh, from the Elliot time of to movies. To cast a thief, uh, <laughs> most, no, most notably from Rear Window. Um, what else? Uh, Dial in for Murder. You, you I mean, you're familiar with, I mean, I think we're all familiar ones. mainly with the Alfred Hitchcock one. She was also in, was it called High Society, the musical version of the Philadelphia story? Mm-hmm. Uh, she was, she won the, uh, the Academy Award for... Was it called The Farmer's Daughter? Uh, I, don't I think know. it was. I think we can all agree that she was in Magambo, I believe. Mostly for her work with Alfred Hitchcock. I mean, she's not an actress who I've ever had much of an affinity for. And so, I mean, she's wonderful in Rear Window. Come on. Yeah, she's great in that. Yeah. But, like, Rear Window is a great movie all around. Like, the way that I would follow Jimmy Stewart or, speaking, just speaking, Rear Window actors, Jimmy Stewart or Thelma Ritter into another movie because I feel like they're interesting actors to me. Grace Kelly is one of the least interesting classic Hollywood actors to me. I think she's the just thing kind of about like, her in Rear Window is that she's just astoundingly beautiful. I think that that's and she's magnetic. No, she's magnetic in it, but as a as a personality on screen, I find nothing really in her besides like beauty and elegance mm. and like. But there's not a lot of character there. The same way that like the uh, I haven't like personally just being very honest personally. I've got more of an affinity for, like, Myrna Loy. Well, I think know, Nicole Kidman's Bird. here to change all that, Elliot. Well, here's the thing. They picked, they said, what modern-day actress is also beautiful and yet doesn't have much personality on <laughs> has screen? Has a certain coldness. <laughs> has a certain dead taxidermied eye about her, which is totally unfair to Nicole Kidman, since I loved her in The Others. But, yeah, she can be wonderful in the right thing. And she's, even in, uh, in Eyes Wide Shut, she's got good scenes, you yeah. know? BMX Bandits, she steals the show. Terrific. Sure, far and away. Far and away. To is die far and for. Away, one of her most interesting roles. <laughs> <laughs> to die for, she's really good in. Stoker, what movie Stoker about, stoked which, the flames of my passion. I don't love, but she has some good stuff in it. But so this tells the story of Grace Kelly after she has left the screen and married Prince Rainier of Monaco, played by Tim Roth. I mean, it opens with the final shot, final take of her acting career. Yes. And then she walks into her trailer where they're playing her exposition story. Where the radio is literally explaining who she is and what she's just done and where she's going to go. Yeah, and, and she's like, oh, that's what I'm all about. Oh, I'm glad I tuned <laughs> into WGRK, the Grace Kelly Network, that just explains who I am all the time. Which radio Zork going to be on? <laughs> Uh, I want to use the key in the lock. <laughs> uh, I wonder, I wonder, Wait, is that your final choice, Dan? <laughs> sure, let's lock it in. 
Okay, we'll we'll have to check we'll this out next end. week on Radio Zora. <laughs> uh, and she goes to Mon. She's in Monaco. Monaco's having some troubles. It seems that they're running out of money. Why are you rubbing your face? Because I thought Dan was scratching his face, and I thought he was telling me I had something on my face. <laughs> no, I was because he was staring at me intently like a lover's tell- gaze. I was telling you, my cheek itches. <laughs> Thanks for communicating that to me. Oh, you're doing it again. Yeah. Thanks. That's si- well, international I, sign language I, for itchy cheek. I didn't get it all the first time. <laughs> you know how it is. Uh, so went yeah. back for thirds. Okay, <laughs> we go. So she's at Monaco, ironically, for a place that has most of the word money in its name, is running out of it. You may say, maybe melt some down some of your fucking solid gold chairs you're always sitting in, mm-hmm. Monicans or Monicans. I forgot. Mm. It, we found. I think that's what Monacues. Monacues. Yeah, I think it was something like that. It was something really strange. Monacations. Monaco is having uh, the piper is is coming to be paid in that. For years, they have lived off the largesse of French billionaires looking to hide their money from being taxed by the French. Mm-hmm. Now the French government in the early 60s needs money to keep fighting its needless war in Algeria, mm-hmm. and they come to they come a calling to Monaco. So Tim Roth is in a pickle, which is ironic since this is maybe the least Jewish movie I've ever seen. <laughs> None of these people has ever had a pickle, let alone pastrami. <laughs> Let's just leave that aside right there. This is an incredibly Gentile film, but – uh. So he's in a pickle in that he needs money, and also his wife wants to have her own career. She doesn't want to just go around being a princess who looks at Red Cross orphanages and, and asks for money for them. And she wants to be a married woman who has it all. Yeah. And so Alfred Hitchcock also comes a call-in to have Grace Kelly play the lead in a little movie called Marnie. Yeah. Which, is Which about, historically she does, right? right. Sean Connery, no. like... Raping a lady. Well, it, no, the movie is about <laughs> Tippi Hedren as a woman with psychological issues who is driven to steal, uh, and yeah. Sean Connery becomes obsessed with her and wants to wants to possess her and find out what her mystery yeah. is. Wants to break her like a horse. Yeah, basically, and a tree falls through a window, and at the end she talks in a little girl's voice and everything. It's a strange. It's a movie. weird, weird movie. I mean, it's as as Johnny Carson would say, it is weird, wild stuff. I mean, it's probably. <laughs> I think that was the original title of the movie. Weird, weird, wild stuff. The movie. It's the last Hitchcock movie that really like feels like a Hitchcock movie. I, I, I think. don't know about that. What about like Frenzy? I mean, Frenzy, I like, but it doesn't feel like a Hitchcock. Movie. I mean, there's no glamour in it, if that's what you mean. Yeah, there's, there's still I, some kind of glamour in Marnie. There's and there's none. Frenzy in. feels like a '70s movie in a in a way that feels. I guess so. Unhitchcock. What about like when did the wrong man come out? I can't remember. I mean, I guess there he was trying for a deliberately unhitchcock style. I guess wrong man was earlier than Marnie. So the one with Dave Foley, Topaz, I guess has some very Hitchcock. But Topaz is a bad movie. It's terrible. It's got like two good sequences in it. Yeah, and uh, and uh, Family Plot feels like a TV movie. Yeah, Family Plot has some funny bits, and I like Bruce Stern, but it is a weird, weird. Is that the Michael movie. Haneke movie, Funny Bits? Yeah, Funny Bits. <laughs> <laughs> it's about a a, a, comi- a comical penis. <laughs> <laughs> it's a talking penis that tells jokes. Yeah. The weird thing is, it's very prudish. Doesn't work blue. Doesn't curse. Mm-hmm. It's a family f- penis comedian. <laughs> funny bits. It does terribly, the and then it dies. With Billy Crystal as the voice of the penis. <laughs> anyway, Grace of Monaco. She, Alfred Hitchcock wants her to play the lead in Marnie. She wants to play the lead, but her husband, the prince, does not want her to return to the screen. And there's scene after scene of... At first, he's like kind of lukewarm on it. Yeah. Until it 
it, her going back to acting gets in the way of his, I guess, uh, political plans. Well, he worries that it would be seen as the princess of Monaco abandoning her country and her family in a time of its need. And also, he doesn't. It's it's she's not a proper princess. She's an American who says what she thinks whenever she thinks it, and that gets him into trouble when she talks back to a French finance minister who they need. And then the mm-hmm. French finance minister insults her to the prince's face, and the prince slaps him, thus causing almost war between France and Monaco, a country with no army that France has just been kind of protecting. Here's where we get to the crux of the movie. Uh, by the way, I hope you're all enjoying the Mr. Softy theme song that I'm sure you can hear because I don't it's know. blasting it's, through the windows. That kind of thing well, we, I can we've hear referenced it. before, and it's hard to hear when you listen to the episode. All right. But uh, Mr. Softy, also a movie about a penis, was just was just going by playing its song. Um, so it's about a very emotional penis yeah. who takes him to emotional that cries a lot. Semen <laughs> out of his oh. urethra. Dan, this was a family podcast. Briefly, nah. Even though he's, <laughs> I guess never. Okay, so here's the problem with the movie. One of the many problems, aside from the fact that it's very boring, okay, and that. Uh, we never get into the psychologies of any of the characters. Mm-hmm. That uh, you are asked to care about what's going to happen to a tiny country that makes its money off of hiding the dollars of billionaires from French yeah. taxes. Mm-hmm. And that we're the a prince. A tax shelter gambling uh, playground for the rich. Where the prince lives in incredibly lavish luxury. And he makes some bullshit answer that like early on that he has to live this way in order to keep up the show that brings money in from other from foreigners. But like – if he sold a lot of his junk, like they'd be able to open up that orphanage that that Nicole Kidman or the, to refurbish that orphanage that Nicole Kidman says is uh, is in bad shape. Yeah, the only argument that they have is we don't want this money to go to this war in Algeria, which is not a terrible argument, but it's not. There's no good guy necessarily in this fight. The struggle there's only over a tax good gal. dollars. Grace mm-hmm. Kelly. Yeah. When she's not palling around with opera star Maria Callas, played by the not-nude Paz Vega, she is agonizing over her role. Should she be, go back to the screen? Should she be her own woman, or is it better for her to stand by her man? Well, but that's the other thing. All the while, the Parker stand Posey her stands man. over her shoulder. The what? Parker Posey is constantly oh. hovering about. And meanwhile, Parker Posey is the, like, uh, evil uh, uh, house mistress from Rebecca character for most of the movie, where she's very stern and is always telling Grace Kelly what she can and can't do. And then at the end, but at the end she turns out to be one of the good guys because they manage to, in a plot that comes out, that like just is not enjoyable but it should be, they hire a detective and discover that someone's been passing information to the press and the French. And they briefly suspect Grace, but they hire a detective and see the pictures and listen to taped phone calls and stuff, and they find out that it's actually the prince's sister. Bum, bum, bum. Nothing really happens off of that. Yeah. But uh, so she wants to be in Marnie, and she says to Alfred Hitchcock in Universal Pictures, I'll be in the movie, but it has to be a secret until I guess the movie is made. Like, she seems to think that she can keep it a secret from the Monaco people and the rest of the world that she's starring in a movie. Like, the movie's going to come out eventually. But, yeah. But news of it leaks, and she is shocked and has to deny it. Uh, and it causes it, some marital turmoil. Mm-hmm. Including a fight that is uh, takes place right by a giant beach ball. Yeah, <laughs> they're they're eating lunch next to a pool on their vacation, which is just having their some everyday hot dogs life. and <laughs> and some burgers, some some Borg burgers because <laughs> the burgers have been assimilated and become Gloria Borger. But uh, they 
but there's a beach ball in the background, and it really undercuts the, the severity of the scene. But uh, they have an argument, and Grace Kelly, she decides she has to get serious about this. And this is a woman who's an Academy Award-winning actress under the tutelage, under the advise, guidance of Frank Langella as, I guess, what, the, the head priest of Monaco mm-hmm. who just hangs around and is like their house guest and is her confidant. She, uh, she goes over to Derek Jacoby's house, and he teaches her how to act like a princess. Mm-hmm. Because what the movie is telling us is that Grace Kelly, before she became a princess, was not a good actress. Oh, yeah. Did not know how to act. She was a real ugly duckling who yeah. had no poise. It's a My Fair Lady story for the ages. And he, like, holds up flashcards of emotions, and she has to express them without talking. And she has to, like, say seashells she sells by the sea. I see I screwed up already in French. And she's got to do all this. Is it the same thing? Yeah, that's the thing, like, I mean, the subtitles They're translating were, it as she sells seashells by the seashore, but I assume that they're just doing that idiomatically. That in French, it's a tongue twister, uh, like okay. idiotically. Mm-hmm. Yeah, burn. <laughs> you burn. <laughs> uh, so the uh, she learns how to be a princess. She decides, you know what? I'm going to stick with my family. Mm-hmm. I'm going to stand by my man. Like the song, boing, right? boing, boing. Thank you. When there's no stand for standing. There's no thing there. Sometimes <laughs> it's hard to be the princess of Monaco. <laughs> Giving all your love to just one prince. Yeah. It's great, guys. Um, anyway, so both she just going to keep singing him. to me? She, yes. And yeah. she publicly says she is retiring from the screen. She uh, travels all over in she, an Indiana no, Jones she shot. She doesn't travel over. She goes to Paris and she sends letters all over the world, inviting oh. them to a Red Cross ball at Monaco. Oh. She needs to make a show to Charles de Gaulle, mm-hmm. the president of France. A mask of the Red Cross. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, if only they had all died of the plague. She, uh, she has to make a show to Charles de Gaulle, president of France, that the world has not turned its back on Monaco. How to do it? By throwing a fancy ball. And... They, she sends invitations all over the world, and you see an Indiana Jones-style map with lines traveling out that's just representing letters being sent yeah. from one place <laughs> to another. They should have had, like, little letter cartoons <laughs> going around like they have airplanes and those things. I think uh, it's a good example of the overconfidence in the drama of this story that the movie has, that it feels like the idea of letters being sent from one country to another demands representation in an animated form mm-hmm. that we're going to be so astounded by it. The very concept, like when Indiana Jones is flying between all these exotic places, it's like, oh, wow, he's going from, you know, Cairo to Java, you know, something like that. These exotic far off lands. He's a guy, you know, he's this adventurer who's doing it. There's something exciting about that. There's something less exciting about like, oh, well, there's a functioning international postal service. And <laughs> if I put the address of somebody in Washington, D.C. on a letter in Monaco, it's going to get there, I guess, you know. It's, it almost looks like... Which is ridiculous, since she's been, had a phone call with her mother that did not go did well. Did not go well, all the way in Philadelphia, because I guess her mother just found out that Tom Hanks has AIDS. Oh, my God. <laughs> it reminds me of something that happened when I worked That's at... That's the Philadelphia story. Tom um, Hanks has AIDS. Well, when I worked at Suncoast Motion Picture Company, a video sure. store that did not rent videos and only sold them, a guy walked in, confident as the day is long in his selection. He walked up to me and he said... Do you have the Philadelphia story? And I said, yes, we do. It was in the comedy section. I knew this. Went to get it and showed it to him. And he went, that's not it. And I was about to punch him. I was like, there's only one movie called the Philadelphia story. And he goes, no, with Tom Hanks. Like, oh, you mean Philadelphia. 
So not the story of a high society woman <laughs> who has to choose between two suitors. You mean the story of a gay man who has come down with a fatal disease. <laughs> like it, you, But you've added I that in story. The th- yeah, I think he's still right. It is a story. It is a in, story in Philadelphia. And I think it's probably the most important story in the city of Philadelphia. The only way... Like, now I'm imagining was, Jimmy Stewart and Cary Grant starring in We're one of them as <laughs> Yeah, Cary Grant is well, well, terrible. They fired me just because <laughs> I came down with this disease. And Cary Grant is what? Is he in the Denzel Washington role yeah, or no, in the yeah, Antonio exactly. Banderas role? No, he's in the Denzel Washington role. Okay, so he's defending him. My client, Your Honor, <laughs> his rights have been invaded. <laughs> Judy, pretty, Judy, Judy. That's pretty good. That's a better Cary Grant than I expected. It's better than I expected, <laughs> frankly. I did not expect that. It wasn't great, but it was better than I thought. But then at the end of this movie, the, she makes a speech that goes on for like 10 minutes of screen time. Where she talks about, now earlier, it's been talking about how this is a, was supposed to be a fairy tale story, that this beautiful woman becomes a real life princess. But in fact, it's more fake than her Hollywood life. I'm reading into it subtextually because that would be a more interesting, more interesting story to watch. Her discovering that there's more artifice to this real-life royalty than there was to her being queen of Hollywood. But she talked to Frank Langella, and she goes, do you believe in fairy tales? And he says, no, but I do believe in happily ever after. What does that mean? Which is a huge dodge. It means nothing. It's well, like, But also, like, they're the same thing. Fairy tales and happily – like, it's not – Potato, potato, bro. Mm-hmm. Tomato, tomorrow. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like... That's what I would say if I was writing a letter to Baron Mordo. I mean, the strange villain. <laughs> he uh, would totally a, get that joke. <laughs> take a letter to Mordo. <laughs> Baron, uh, in response to the letter you sent me of September the 3rd, yes, I will attend your dinner party. I've Please do not seat me right next to Dormammu. <laughs> it is too warm. So anyway. Great. I don't know what that meant, but... So I'm it sure means the great. same. So it means the same thing. Well, you'll know when Benedict Cumberbatch's Doctor Strange movie yeah. comes out. Mm-hmm. Uh, Who plays Dormammu in that? Uh, it's probably going to be like I don't know, like DJ Qualls or something. Well, <laughs> he's still a working actor. Oh yeah, it stands for Dormammu J Qualls. <laughs> I mean, he's a working <laughs> DJ. <laughs> oh, no kidding. <laughs> Actually, you think of DJ Quails. That's <laughs> oh, Dan okay. Quails' DJ career. Wow. Yeah. Speaking of potato. Anyway, back to what we were talking yeah. about. Uh, so it's a so she gives a speech at the Red Cross ball. Everyone's in attendance, even Charles de Gaulle. People are that loving rhymed. that shit. That rhymed. That was a yeah. rap I just dropped. Yeah. Thanks, and- DJ Qualls. <laughs> That's my new rap name, DJ Qualls. The Qualls stands for quality. <laughs> you can't spell quality without some of the letters in Qualls. Now, uh. She gives a speech about how she can't bear to live in a world where love doesn't conquer all. And during this speech, it seems like the 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 camera gets fuzzier and fuzzier, like she's fading you into some like dreamless sleep. Now, either they're going for a old school glamour, they're putting Vaseline on the lens to make her look younger, because she is shot in such close up that it she you can like you can see that her nose is a little weirdly shaped in a way I've never noticed before about Nicole yeah. Kidman. Yeah, but it kind of makes her a little more attractive that way, right? Yeah, it's the flaw that that <laughs> highlights the beauty. It's like a beauty mark. And uh, or the camera operator was falling asleep and just didn't realize that the focus had fallen out. You know, <laughs> yeah. they're using one of those old focus pulling cameras. You know. It's like the scene in Stagecoach where you first see John Wayne. Sure. And the camera's moving forward so fast that they can't keep it in focus the whole time, but it makes the shot better, Dan. No, I agree. It highlights the drama of I the shot. Just stage crouch, crouch, stage crouch, which is about a guy who's got such horrible stage fright he can't stand up, but he's a brilliant actor. Oh, I was just imagining stagecoach, 
but all the actors are crouching the whole time and they have to like walk around in like this weird like. It makes it very hard for the Indian fight at the end because yeah. they have to waddle around in a crouch while firing yeah. arrows. Even the horses are crouching when they're running. <laughs> Take, yeah, taking the stage. Oh, I forgot. So, and she gives this speech, and it wins everyone over, and Monica is saved. Hooray! Now, here's something I, f- I wanted to mention. Also, yeah, the best part is right after her speech <clears throat> at this like fancy dinner. There's this pause, and then everybody starts to clap, and it's like, "Have you ever been to one of these fancy dinners where everybody didn't clap after a speech?" Well, Prince Rainier claps and stands up, and everyone follows his lead, showing that he does love her, and he's not ashamed of her for speaking out, even though she's essentially saying what he wants her to say, and also that he does command the allegiance of people. They didn't let him applaud alone. Oh, okay. Monaco is saved. It's a regular king's speech where nothing is at stake. Does Charles de Gaulle go stomping out, throwing up his money and baguettes and whatnot? Charles de Gaulle's uh, sidekick comes up to try to comfort him, and he pushes him away Slaps him in the face with a beret. (laughs) And then they both fall in a pool that for some reason was in the middle of the ballroom. It's full of wine. (laughs) (laughs) So win-win for them, right? Yeah. But uh, here's the thing. There's the scene where the thing that struck me most about this movie was there's a scene where, like I was saying, Grace Kelly goes to Derek Derek Jacoby's house, and he teaches her all about the history of Monaco and of the Grimaldi family. And uh, he... She learns about it and practices this speech and how she's going to talk. And it reminded me of nothing more than the Saved by the Bell episode where Zach Morris learns he has some Native American ancestry. And he has to learn about what it was like to be an American Indian. And the guy he goes to talk to gives him a big pile of books to read, just like Grace Kelly gets a big pile of books. And then he goes and he gives Chief Joseph's speech before his class about how he will uh, wage war no more. I felt I'll fight no more forever. And I realized... Was this like a Good Morning, Miss Bliss episode? No, this was when it was by Save of the Belk, because they're in California. So the, Slater was there. Because, the, yes, the Native American mentor character. that he gets <laughs> is a surfer. Oh, and that makes sense. would it make sense in the Indiana location of Good Morning, Miss Bliss? That would be strange. For them to be a surfer in Maybe in like the Great Lakes? Or Native American, I guess. Maybe, is there a lot of surfing in the Great Lakes? Uh, I don't think so. I think in uh, near Cleveland there's some. I mean, Sarah has a t-shirt that says Surf Ohio. I don't know if that's ironic. Could be, or, yeah, it could be ironic. Yeah, yeah, one of those ironic. So what was the what was, so much about lately? What was so the just, what was the B plot in that episode? I don't know. There was one. There was so much. I mean, Save with the Bell didn't have a lot of B plots. What was the B plot in Grace of Monica? The B plot in Grace of Monica was, I guess, Frank Langella getting chewed out by the Vatican <laughs> for spending all his time hanging around with the princess, for being her personal. Priest. Well, I guess the B plot was who's going to play Marnie, and it turned, <laughs> it turned out, out to be Tippy Hedren. Spoiler alert, the tippest of Hedrons. <laughs> Uh, and But it was like, so the Grace of Monaco was attempting and failing to reach the same level of drama as a middling episode of Saved by the Bell. And when I say middling, I mean that it didn't involve the Malibu Sands Beach Club or Jesse Spano getting addicted to caffeine pills. Yeah, that's the best yeah. one. Which is, of course, the best episode of Saved by yeah, the Bell. Well, Am I forgetting the Zack Attack behind the music episode? That's pretty great, too. No, I'm not forgetting. <laughs> Whoa! One of two appearances by Casey Kasem in the series? Yes, I'm not going to forget that. Now, am I forgetting any oh, of the episodes with, with Screech's robot, Jesus Kevin? Christ. Of course not. <laughs> All right. Uh, the, what about where they do the dance, the Lisa, <laughs> where they hop around on one foot? That's, that's one of the Casey Kasem appearances with the dance competition at that's the max. Yeah. That's good. There's also, of course, the one where Zach gets a 1502 on his SATs, and Stanford is all over him. Mm-hmm. Um, Jesse is <laughs> fucking pissed. He is so mad. Incensed. He's so mad. So, guys. Let's not forget the one where... Uh, he and Jesse start having romantic feelings for each other on vacation. The highlight of which is just that Elizabeth Berkeley's in a bikini. 
Mm-hmm. On, I mean, she's in Showgirls. We don't. This need was to. pre-Showgirls, Dan. <laughs> All right. Uh, so on this apt Saved by the Bell analogy, <laughs> let's close down discussion and talk about uh, Final Judgment. Grace of Monaco. Was this a good, bad movie, a bad, bad movie, or a movie we kind of liked? I'm going to start for once. I'm going to say... You loved it. Bad, bad movie. <laughs> it was boring. And in addition to having the moral that uh, Monaco should be hold out on the uh, moral judgment that like, or the moral grounds that it should be a tax dodge for rich people. Well, the fact that she's like, we need money for this orphanage. And he's like, what can I do? I can't start taxing the residents here yeah. to use the money to pay for services. That's not what Monaco does. Yeah, so it's it puts that message forth. That is Monaco. And it also puts the message forth that Grace Kelly should be a servile wife uh, standing by her man rather than having her own career as an artist in Hollywood. Uh, those two things together, not so great. Uh, also, there's... Not so great, Kelly. Barely any conflict in this movie. I don't know why I'm, I should care. I will say that it's not so terrible as a movie that I feel like it necessarily makes sense that it went straight from can to lifetime. Like there are much worse movies that have had theatrical releases, sure, but that's not enough to recommend it. That's what I say. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, not as bad as other movies. Yeah. Not yeah as far worse. as turds go, it's pretty firm. <laughs> <laughs> it's not one of those wet ones. It's hard to clean up. Yeah. I'm going to go. I'm going to agree with you, Dan. I'm going to say bad, bad movie. I think you mentioned when we were watching Elliot that it, if it had a lighter tone, it might be more fun, but it takes itself so seriously and it features, especially near the end, like every scene features like, uh, like opera music. Yeah. Uh, the movie ends that with, almost like deifies the characters. It's crazy. The movie ends with Grace Kelly reading a letter from Frank Langella about how the serenity she has gained is what I guess all like men are striving for when they worship God mm-hmm. and that, and there's angelic <laughs> choirs in the background and yeah. And that's trying, right before time gets unstuck and we are trapped in some kind of unending loop of Grace Kelly's yeah, life. It becomes a real uh, Kelly house five. We're, we're just experiencing moments out of sync, but, uh, and not in the fun way of like at the end of easy rider too, or an old man was getting a haircut. Yeah. Which was like the ending of Akira. <laughs> Yeah, it's caught in shards of time. Stuck in a singularity. Like in Wax or the Discovery of Television Among the Bees. The uh but yeah, it's it's setting Grace Kelly up as a sort of martyred saint in this weird way. And I agree with both you guys that it was boring. It's beautiful look at at times, but it it looks like an expensive perfume commercial for most of the movie. It's boring it's the message is is offensive in the way that is saying she was right to deny herself a part of herself. And uh yeah, it's just really like it's it is kind of disgustingly over the top in terms of how serious it takes it. Even the King speech, but Parker Posey was, got paid. That's cool. If like if you had told the, the story from the point of view of Parker Posey's character and with a sense of humor, like that yeah. could have been a good movie. This like prig who is making life hell for Grace Kelly, but turns out to like save the day in the end by unmasking the plot by the that was sister great. to unseat him that from was the throne. Great. You know. Uh, the moment Grace Kelly uh, foils the plot to take over the throne. That's the fucking B-plot of the movie. That's the B-plot of the movie. Yeah, that's Grace right. Kelly is, girl who's detective. the mole? That's true. The B-plot of the movie, 
Like who's it was the as mole? as with the B plot of Spider Man and the X Men, Violet Kalen was who's the mole? But uh, that Columbo. That's the, the B uh, plot to your thing. It seems like the, the driving a, force. I mean, the A plot is just crazy adventures for them to get into. Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, yeah, Grace Kelly as Columbo, the detective who uh, who discovers it. That's the B plot. But like the King Speech, which is about World War Two, has more jokes in it mm-hmm. and a lighter sense of like just. That's what you get character. when you bang on Jeffrey Rush as opposed to Tim Roth. I'll tell you what. His name may be Rush, but he takes his time. And his time, Ing, is impeccable. Okay. Well, that's <laughs> terrible. You know he was named after the band Rush? <laughs> no, it's not true. Yeah, his and, original name was Jeffrey Today's Tom Sawyer. And he is no fly by night. <laughs> no. He's he living in the limelight, though. He's in the limelight. <laughs> He's got the spirit of radio. <laughs> I gotta tell you, but that man deserves to be in moving pictures. <laughs> Before we move on. What was the name of their future concept album? Uh, 2112? Yeah, he'll be around until then. <laughs> he doesn't Mars. have to roll the bones. <laughs> uh, big big Money? Is that a rush Clockwork song? Angels. <laughs> <laughs> Before we move on. Sledgehammer. Not a rush song. Um. Peter Archangel Gabriel. So I didn't give my official bad bad. Okay. Ty is a pedantic person. I think when he pronounces these words, it's it's in a very show-offy way. Gyro. Gyro. Sacre bleu. Sacre bleu. Ayers rock. Uluru. (laughs) (laughs) What you are witnessing is real. The participants are not actors. They are actual litigants with real cases. They call in via Skype to Judge John Hodgman's court, the real people's court. Now I call you to Judge John Hodgman's internet court. Find it at MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Before we move on, uh, we do have a sponsor tonight. Woo! The Flop House is brought to you in part by Squarespace. Squarespace? The all-in-one Squarespace <laughs> website platform. Now, let okay, let's say one thing. Dan, yeah. Stuart, mm-hmm. I want to start a website. Sure. It's going to be called dogbutts.com. Okay. It's your place online for dogs' butts and what to do with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I don't know how to start a website. What to do with them, you sick mess. Groom uh, and clean up after. Okay. Uh-huh. And some other stuff. Now, uh, what, where do I, how do I set up a website? Where do I go? Dan? Well, I tried typing dogbutts.com into, on a typewriter and it didn't work. You go to a company that I'm sure is very excited about having dogs' butts associated <laughs> with them. So thank you for going there with your brain. Uh, but you go to Squarespace. Okay. It's called penguinfarts.com. <laughs> Better. It's your place on the internet for farts made by penguins. Look, here's the thing Squarespace that doesn't sounds adorable. judge. Whatever you want to make your website about, you can do it at Squarespace. Even uh, farts from penguins or butts from dogs. Yeah. Okay, let's say this. I've got a Christopher Lee fan page I want to put up. That it's sounds called, terrific. It's called penguinfarts.com. <laughs> Why would you Place online that? for the great British actor Christopher Lee. Sure. Where do I go? How do I do it? You go to squarespace.com. You know why? Because Squarespace sites look professionally designed regardless of your skill level. Because my skill no level is nada. Super low. You don't need to know anything about coding. You think the devil coding. wears nada. <laughs> my skill level is at the same level. Yeah. Well, you don't need to know coding. You can. So you're saying they talk to their manager and they're going to knock off that coding. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> that coding is not put into the factory. Wow. Uh, yeah. You okay, can get so what? A, but will it work on like a phone? Will it work on a tablet? Yeah. 
No, it's uh, what do you got? It's I'm got getting that a lot of mobile design. traffic at PenguinParts.com. <laughs> sure. It's got responsive. Well, design. you want you appeal to on the go uh, users. I'm a businessman. I want to learn about Christopher Lee and maybe a penguin farts when I click on the buttons. Well, here's good news for you. It'll look great on your phone. It'll look great on your tablet. It doesn't matter. That your, sounds like responsive design. Yeah, that does sound very responsive to the needs of me and the consumer. Now, Dan, so I don't need to know how to code because that's good. I don't yeah. know how to. It, it automatically changes for a phone or a tablet or a computer That's or true. whatever. Now, uh, is there, and there's no limit to what I can do with it. That's They're not going to judge true. me. I can do whatever I want with it. I mean, within reason. <laughs> I mean, nothing illegal. <laughs> yeah, there you go. But let's say I want to finally marry my twin interests of Christopher Lee and uh, what it sounds like when a penguin farts. It did sound like he was going to marry his You're twin. perfectly. <laughs> I can't welcome. marry my twin. One, that's illegal. Two, I'm not attracted to her. She's not my type. Three, she's married already and I'm married already. Those are three good reasons. Uh, well, look, if you want to start your weird, your weirdo fan site, you can start your free trial today with no credit card required at squarespace.com. I don't even need a credit card to start it you up. You don't. And you can use the I offer code. It's convenient now. <laughs> you can use the offer code FLOP to get 10% off your first purchase. Squarespace, build it beautiful. Thank you for sponsoring the Flophouse. Thank you very much for sponsoring it and giving me the opportunity to do my Christopher Lee Penguin Farts website. And offer code is FLOP. Yeah. Go to squarespace.com, type in FLOP, 10% off, start up your site. Mm-hmm. Just not a Christopher Lee site. Maybe That's like an Elliot Kalin fan site. Maybe do one of those. Mm-hmm. Called Dog Farts. Dogfarts.com, <laughs> yeah, that probably your place exists. online for unofficial <laughs> Elliot Kalin news. Um, I'm sure dog, dogfarts.com must exist. Yeah, but now if it doesn't, why does the internet even exist? <laughs> such why a we waste here? of human endeavor. Now, it's why time. did Stephen Hawking invent it? You know, I have no idea. Now it's time to for a uh, final judgment. Scarily great. Grace of Monaco. Hear ye, hear ye. How do you please movie? Now it's time. I find you not guilty. <laughs> For letters from listeners. Letters from people like you who wrote in to us hoping for a response. What you're saying, Dan, oh is that someone took the time to write a letter to us. Well, I think we owe them at least one rhyme about letters. The letters they wrote about letters. I'm singing out of my throat. Should be singing from the diaphragm. But is that what I'm doing? It's not what I am doing right now. Never took a lesson in my life, but I still want to sing all my life about letters from you. I rhymed life with the word life. You're not supposed to do that. But I did it anyway. Letters about us. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you, Stuart, for getting another beer and slurping <laughs> into the mic. <laughs> Could call him Mike Slurper. Uh, <laughs> Mike Slurper, P.I. <laughs> Just one more slurp, <laughs> sir. That's when she walked into my office and walked right back out again. I should really stop slurping. See that grossed out look on her face. I know it's a cold beverage. I don't need to take it that slowly. <laughs> I'm one of the close the doors. One of you is a. <laughs> a what? A what? I said a murderer. You're a murderer. The murderer is. <laughs> yep. She had legs going all the way up to. 
Well, okay, whoa. Yeah, that's yeah, pretty gross. I'm sorry. Graphic. Speaking of graphic, read us the letter that I assume is about Krang having sex with, with the Transformers. Uh, it goes like this. Hey, Dan, hey, Dan. This is very important. <laughs> You're the best guy. Please. I love you the most. Love, Dan. <laughs> Please do not read this on the air in front of, quote, Stuart Wellington. If he's uh, around... Please ask him to step into another what room. What am I in quotes? <laughs> <laughs> if he, if he really exists. <laughs> if he doesn't leave immediately. If he doesn't leave immediately, you and Elliot work on your Woody Allen impressions. Uh, I don't have to work on it. It's perfect. <laughs> I, I was uh, speaking to Stuart the other day, and uh, I, I wondered, why is he with the Dungeons and Dragons? It's more like... She's a beautiful woman. Why was she? I don't understand. No. You're a beautiful, intelligent woman. You I know, don't. I, I once said uh, uh, sex with Stuart, as far as uh, empty experiences go, is uh, one, of, one of the most satisfying. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, the letter goes, okay, he's gone now, right? Uh, the person that has been on the flop house for the past six months is not Stuart Wellington. He is an imposter. Please be careful and please do not let this imposter know that you know this. I do not know when the switch happened, and I do not know the true identity of the imposter you've been recording with. I do not know where the real steward is. Good luck. Alex's last name withheld. Uh, hey, guys, you guys done doing those impressions? Uh, yeah, yeah, so Stuart. I, I assume that was Detective Alex Cross. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys just got a letter from Alex Cross? Matt, was he talking about that snake man he killed in that <laughs> one movie? <laughs> Mattress Cross. Was about Jonah Hex? <laughs> yeah, he was in Jonah Hex, too. <laughs> no. Uh-oh. So, no clues? We don't have any other clues? Um, so, like, what are the clues going to be? I mean, he seems like Stuart based on the three modellos he has lined up over there. <laughs> yeah, and he sounds and like the, Stuart. And I guess, I'm assuming some sort of metal t-shirt that he has on. Uh, yeah, it says gore guts on it. That's a good guess. <laughs> oh, we saw them. Yeah, we we saw them. How were yeah. gore guts? Were they good, bad, 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 or did they you were a like band them? I kind of liked? They were good. They were good. They were very heavy, very sludgy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so sludgy is a good thing. I mean, I haven't noticed anything different about Stewart except that he doesn't row very much anymore. But I think that's just because he's trying to avoid typecasting <laughs> and pigeonhole. And I forget because I'm drunk. <laughs> <laughs> So, Dan, continue to the next one. I reject that letter's premise out of hand. Uh, Until my dead body is found <laughs> in the river. Without hands. Uh, did the Russian mob kill me? Yeah. This is from uh, James, last name with hell. Lipton. All right. If, he says, if Elliot said Woods, Earl Jones, Franco, Marsden, Dean, or Brown, he's legally James. obligated to hand over Ziggy movie rights. Oh, wow. Oh. MC Ganey, Coleslaw in a bag, trademark, and he... Popeye's chicken. I forgot about MC Candy Coleslaw. But he did not. No. So. You got to get up pretty early in the morning to guess what nickname of a real person I'm going to add to your first name. Uh, but James says, Good day, dude. It's a good thing his name isn't DJ. I would have said Qualls. <laughs> <laughs> so easy to figure out. I've been listening to your back catalog for the umpteenth time. I've noticed that of all the Do OPs. You think MC Ganey and DJ Qualls ever play shows together? <laughs> yeah. Sorry, you were reading a letter. Uh, of all the OPs, Stewart seems to have an affinity with Australian actors and films the most. I don't know about that. I think you all. I have... certainly don't. I can't tell the difference between Australia and Scotland. You've all opposite <laughs> ends of the world. You've all recommended exploitation films in the past, including Wake and Fright, Mad, Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome, and the R-rated sex romp horror shocker that is Picnic and Hanging Rock. Okay, that's one per person there. I got to. Uh, I got to apologize for something, dudes. Yeah, I've never actually seen Wake and Fright. Oh, you'd yeah, like I, it. You'd like it a lot. I know I'd like it. I just haven't watched it yet. Hey, look, there's I think I'm going to watch it next week. Okay. 
You, you we, look. We lead busy modern lives. As we long as no kangaroos to, get killed. Um, uh, I've got some <laughs> bad news for you. I just love them ruse. As long as everybody stays asleep in fright during the movie. <laughs> he says. <laughs> <laughs> I, as long as there isn't just one last call in the movie, one last call. <laughs> is it fair to say that Stu is the most true blue or is fair dinkum? Will you sell Aussie beer or tinnies in your pub, Stuart? I, look, I, I recommended Wake and Fright, Road Games, and uh, Dead and Drive-In. I think that- Yeah, you have – see, I always – my problem is I think my favorite – uh, movies that I uh, my brain assumes are exploitation movies mm-hmm. are actually Richard Stanley movies, and he's South African, right? Oh, uh, is he uh, uh, Hardware and yeah, uh, Rawhead and Rex, Dust Devil? Oh, Dust I Devil. I mean, Flat Stanley has been all Rawhead over the world. Are they related? Yes, they're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> See, they were in the crib together, and uh, oh, Richard no. Stanley <laughs> rolled over him while he was doing his uh, Doctor Moreau impression. It's amazing that that his name was already Flat. <laughs> Uh, but here we go. I think you have reached the level of fame where a Flophouse Down Under show is now feasible. But to prepare you for this, here's some slang you want you might want to brush up on. So there's a quiz here. Uh, well, I know Foster's means beer. Duna. <laughs> Duna. Is it A, a duvet, B, a cigarette, C, a spookily good bad movie, or, uh, yeah, that's it. I'm going to say Donut. I'm going to say a Derner kebab. It's a duvet. <laughs> Derner kebab. A duvet. What's a duvet? Uh, it's like a comforter. Chunder. So a blanket. Chunder. Well, look, everybody, let's stop putting on airs. Just call them blankets, okay? <laughs> I mean, it's a blanket that's got <laughs> stuffing inside it. But. La-dee-da. Ooh. Yeah, I put stuff on top of pizza. It's still a pizza. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> Thank you. I put breadcrumbs inside my blanket. Chunder. Is that the kind of stuffing you're using? Chunder. Cricket, cricket bevo. Well, that's that's also slang. We don't know what bevo is. But <laughs> house cat aftermath. That's B or C, vomit. We all know this one. Yeah. Come yeah. on. Chunder is thunder that's laughing, like chuckling. There mm-hmm. you go. Uh, you've got Buckley's. You've got Buckley's. A, no chance. B, food in your teeth. C, a clumsy tongue. Yeah, I have no idea. I don't know. I don't That's know. no chance. Named Plonk. after uh, Buckley's? I don't know. William F. Buckley. Plonk. I know I know this one. Uh, is it A, a ripped-off ding-dong, B, cheap wine, C, open wound? I'm going to say mm. it's a ding-dong. It's cheap wine. Damn it. Which could lead to a ripped-off ding-dong. Exactly. Uh, I think I'm going to I think you've been seeing a movie. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I think I'm actually going to end on this next one because it's the most delightful. Crack a fat. A, have an erection. B, get angry. C, eat like an aging French actor. (laughs) (laughs) That's called dipper doing. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I think that we all know that crack a fat (laughs) is... uh, is ha- to have an erection. That's that's pretty okay, great. Okay, that sounds all right. It's now, pretty delightful. All this has made me realize that I'm not going to understand what anyone's saying if we go to Australia. Mm-hmm. But if Australians want to pay us to come there, yeah, we we got some time now. I guess. I mean, I've got lots of time. Elliot's shaking his head. No, I'm shaking my head like <laughs> he's yeah, like you're I don't right. want to get bitten by a giant spider monster. I, look, I don't, I don't need a. There's giant a bunch spider. of driders down there there's in the a, underdark. There's a reason I don't go to Monster Island <laughs> or that place from Godzilla vs. the Sea Monster. I don't need a giant spider attacking me. What's the name of the giant spider in uh in Lord of the Rings? Shelob. Shelob or Ungoliant. 
<laughs> There's more than one? <laughs> There's a ton of them. <laughs> so uh, this last letter for the evening is from Cassandra, last name withheld. Wilson. Who writes, Hi, uh, whose title is, uh, Hi, I'm drunk, have a letter. I'm a wee bit drunk, so naturally <laughs> I decided to write a letter into your bod past. <laughs> oh, you know, boy. For, for yucks or rucks. Of course, I have no idea what to actually will fire about. So I'll just ask questions of each of you. Dan, if I were a butt, what would you spank me with? <laughs> I don't like where this question is. Yeah. What is bitty bitty bumming, and why is it something that seems reserved for someone uh, financially well off? Oh, I can explain that. Stuart, stew balls. Mm-hmm. Oh, crap, that's not a question. <laughs> stew balls? There, that's butter. Better. What the fuck ever. So, uh, this I guess. This person is hella juku. I guess a I guess a spatula is what I'd spank. Would it wow, plastic or metal? Uh, metal seems a metal like spatula it seems like it would hurt. But I guess wow. that's the point. I mean, not if you hit in the fleshy part of the buttocks. <laughs> so bitty bitty bumming. As opposed to what hitting their coccyx? Why yeah, would you do you, that? Well, you <laughs> that would do hurt that. really bad. Yeah. Bitty bitty bumming. I th- when he says all day long, I'd bitty bitty bum. It's just kind of like, as far as I can understand, puttering around, like mm-hmm. not doing much of anything. Uh, and you'd have to be rich to do that because otherwise, life in the shtetl is a game of survival and a fight to see another day. But as you would know from the, later in the song, what he would do is spend eight hours every day discussing the learned books, the, the holy books with the learned men, and he'd finally have a seat in the synagogue by the eastern wall. And that type of thing would be the sweetest of all. For you see, he doesn't really want to do nothing all day. He wants to become closer to his God and to the literate wisdom that is denied him because of his poverty. But Elliot, what would he do if he were a rich man? That's what <laughs> that's kind of what I just said. There was another song they cut out called If I Was Jonathan Richman. <laughs> and it was like, I'd sing songs like this, you know. Sing was, about Pablo Picasso and Roadrunners. And driving at night. Gonna go <sighs> to the government center. <laughs> with the modern lovers. If uh, I were a Jonathan Richman. Uh, Stuart. Yeah, da, da, da. balls? Hey, how you doing? All right, well, there you go. Perfect answer. Uh, you so have it, defeated the Gomes Jabbar. <laughs> just to wrap up the letter, there you go. Sexiest letter ever. Bam, Cassandra. I'm trying to decide. P.S. I'm trying to decide if I'll regret this in the morning. At least I didn't hit on you, you sexy, sexy sex muffins, you. So there you go. Yeah, at least. At least. And uh, at most, what about the next letter? I told you that was the last letter. Oh. It's a terrible transition, Stuart. <laughs> <laughs> how, so, final judgments. You come unstuck in time like Grace Kelly. I'm a child. I'm a baby Kelly. I don't know what's going on. Someone blew up the McCrane crystal. No, this is time for our This is where we do our final segment of the I'm evening. getting near to the North Pole. <laughs> where we, uh, where we recommend some sort movies. of Amy Polar Express. That's like the Polar <laughs> Express, but they're all Amy Polar. That's terrifying. <laughs> it sounds like it'd be a lot of fun. I don't yeah. know. Uh, this is... you'd ra- wait, rather than a train where everyone's Amy Polar, you'd rather have a train with some kind of creepy Tom Hanks and Aerosmith waiting for you at the other end? Aerosmith, the, the comic book series? No, not Aerosmith. The fantasy series. Okay. Aerosmith, the band, which is playing at the North Pole at the end of Polar Express. The Wait, movie. really? That sounds yeah, crazy. That's talking about how they're rocking at the top of the world. What? But they're like elf Aerosmith. 
Actually, oh, that sounds Elfo amazing. Smith. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I'd be crying. Arrow, arrows, elf. Um, okay, well, that's... You know crazy. what? I wouldn't want to miss a thing. <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. It's amazing. You'll be crying. <laughs> um, whoa. Living uh, on the edge. Yeah. That um, dude looks like a lady. <laughs> But he's now still having saying, love in an elevator. Now it doesn't even have any connection to <laughs> moving on up when you're going down. Yeah, all right, sweet emotion. We all did it. Now uh, for the last segment of the night Just of the play. show, which is where we recommend movies that we liked. The show is a podcast. Yeah, this show. <laughs> show, not that other one. No, not that '70s podcast. This is where we recommend movies. Uh, that you should watch instead of Grace of Monaco. Stuart, you uh, I'll recommend almost anything. <laughs> okay. Okay. So That's before I before we do the Flophouse Recommends section of this podcast, Holy shit. we're going to do a quick brief uh, <laughs> aside. We're going to step into <laughs> our... <laughs> oh, we're going to jump... Dan, you've lost control of the wheel. <laughs> captain... No, Dan, Stuart, you have to go, I'm the captain now. I'm the dog. <laughs> uh, no, so uh, we're going to do that reoccurring segment... Flop House in the Isles. Elliot and I went to a Broadway show this weekend. <laughs> That's true, we did. We saw Hammytown. Hammytown? It's a Hamilton. Hamilton. Uh, uh, produced, George Hamilton. Produced by a Max Fun supporter, uh, Lynn Manuel uh, Miranda. Produced, written, starring. Yeah, he did everything. He wrote the lyrics. The guy did everything. The it guy was did great. everything. I loved his earlier show, In the Heights. I found Hamilton to be even a quantum leap forward from that excellent show. And it had history stuff. You love history I stuff. I love history stuff. I it was had, kind of like... It's called history. It had, great, <laughs> <laughs> it had great songs. It had history. It had char- strong characters. It had strong emotions. As my wife said to me during intermission, I finally understand the American Revolution better than I did from school. Sure. It was a lot like uh, Alexander Smith, uh, the Flophouse House Cat theme song creator. <laughs> he described it as epic rap battles of history. And except it t- not, totally is. Except not bad. That's the thing. <laughs> oh, yeah. The problem with epic rap battles of history is it's gimmickry. And you're not really getting to the heart of who these people were. Yes. Hamilton is using modern musical styles. There's rap. There's R&B. There's also some more traditional musical type numbers and ballads and things. Using those to get at the feel of the lives of these characters, what it was like to live at that point in history for them, what it's like to be a young person coming into a new country and a new city and whatever and trying to make your place in history, what it's like to be starting a new enterprise uh, that – could go either way and it's very risky like and in a world where violence is not as a stone's throw away because dueling is still something that's generally accepted in certain quarters of society it, it there were well, times like honor when, and face is so important that people will die for it basically yeah, exactly now there were times in it where someone would be rapping and they'd be like but the congress doesn't think that we should pass <laughs> this law and i'd be like okay it's it's getting towards that edge where you're getting into the territory of like you know it'll really get kids interested in history if we rap about it, but it never yeah, goes over Yeah, the line. I don't feel that. Like because the, partly because the, the songs are really good. I've never really had a, a, a real connection to any stage performance before, but this, time, uh, this show afterwards, both Elliot and I clearly had been crying. Yeah. Like, it clearly touched me. I mean, to say that about me says very little because I cry at a lot of 
commercials. Stage performances. I've cried at commercials before. Like, Mm -hmm. I cried a lot of stuff. I went to see. You dropped that hammer on your toe? (laughs) Ironically, dry as a bone. (laughs) The boner that I had. I have a uh, toe hurt fetish, but uh, no, just my own. But uh, the, it was, but there's, but I think partly because I was crying at one point because it was at the end of Act One, they've, they've, culminate, they've, won this revolution against all odds at the end of act two because their lives have reached a point of reality. But like the, uh, but it was, it was a very like powerful and affecting show. The weirdest thing for me was how, uh, the thing that got me was the weird connection I had emotionally between the Aaron Burr character and Gollum from the animated return of the King movie, (laughs) (laughs) which I remember as a kid seeing that movie and running to my room in tears because I was so sad that this like desperate, poor creature had to die. That's fair. Well, and one of the things that was great about the show is that it put you into the heads of Aaron Burr and Alexander Hamilton simultaneously. And you could see where both of them were coming from. Speaking for myself, as someone who has... Well, I'm really enjoying the this uh, talk between the two of you who saw this play without me. Uh, oh, it was super great, well, dude. Two, so, two things. Thanks, one, for, <laughs> thanks for really uh, being inclusive in this discussion. One, as someone who has just finished spending a, lot of to- a number of years working at the same place, and for many of those years close to the guy in charge, and n- is now embarking on a whatever's the next stage of my career. There yeah, was, yeah, yeah. There was something very Golden touching. Vistas lie before you. Yeah. There was something very touching to me personally about uh, the point in the show where Alexander Hamilton is leaving the service of George Washington and is trying to kind of figure out what he what he oh, is okay. in this world now, you know. Uh, it's around that time that Alexander Hamilton starts cheating on his wife, and that was the part where my wife turned to me and she says, I hope you don't relate to this part of the story. <laughs> and I did not. And the second thing I was going to say, I don't even remember, dude, so we can stop talking about Hamilton now. I didn't oh, can I up. wake up for my nap now? Sure. So I'm going to, rec- uh, now that we're done with Flophouse in the aisles, we're back to recommendations. Uh, my name's Stuart Wellington from the Flophouse Podcast. I'm going to recommend a movie set in Brooklyn, New York, starring Tom Hardy as a Brooklyn bartender called The called Drop. Dark Knight Rises. It's uh, written... It's, uh, it's called ri- The Drop? Yeah, it's called The Drop. It's screenplay by Dennis Lehane, uh, crime maestro himself. Uh, and it is a... It's also, I think, the last performance of Jane, uh, James Gandolfini. Yeah, I believe that is true. It is a kind of a dour, kind of grim... Uh, horror or horror. Uh, I keep I keep confusing like crime and noir with horror. Yeah, you've got reason. a really wide wide definition of what's a horror movie. I mean, <laughs> what's more frightening than pervasive crime, Dan? Exactly. <laughs> what's more horrifying than the corruption in the system? Uh, than so the it's, fact that we're all going to die, like noted actor James Gandolfini. <laughs> when we stare at James Gandolfini, we stare to the abyss. Uh, so it is a the movie the, the abyss. It is a it is it's a uh, it is a <laughs> it well. <has> moments. <laughs> It is a well acted and a well uh, the uh, the sets are great and the accents are uh, kind of all over the place uh, and there's a gorgeous puppy dog in it and it is a slow moving thriller that I th- I felt really pays off in the yeah. end and I thought it was thought it was pretty great Excellent. and for people who are worried the dog's injured at the beginning of the movie but survives the film spoiler alert yeah. oh I remembered what I was going to say about Hamilton there's okay, no John Wick as I was saying to Stuart uh, one of the things I liked about it was that uh, Thomas Jefferson is basically portrayed as being Andre 3000 from Outcast. Mm-hmm. he's this kind of like 
happy, like, like flamboyant, happy-go-lucky guy who's always like bouncing around the stage and just being snide to people. And uh, I really enjoyed that characterization of him. Um, I'm going to recommend... To James Madison's Big Boy. <laughs> All right. Wow, in-depth... Uh... Like semi-modern hip-hop knowledge yeah. from Elliot. Semi-modern. <laughs> yes. In-depth. From one of the most popular groups with the, with the most popular song. And I didn't even mean Big Boy from Outkast. I meant Bob's Big Boy. Oh, wow. Bob's Big Boy. In my hometown, it was Azar's. <laughs> no, I meant Big Boy from Outkast. Um, I want to recommend uh, the movie Project Nim, which I actually watched just today. You mean Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats of Nim. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, which is a documentary. I guess that's the book. Mrs. Frisbee and the Secret in Them. It's Secret in uh, Them. No the movie. Frisbee, Mrs. Frisbee and the Rats in Them is the book. It's a fucking um, great movie. But the it's movie really I'm book. recommending has nothing to do with those. It's called Project well, Then why'd you bring that's, it that's up? That's Don Bluth, right? Yeah, it is. It's, oh, it's the Bluthiest. God damn Don it. Bluth. I put up with your goddamn stories I'm about goddamn Hamilton. Don Bluth was, <laughs> absent, was absent from the fourth season of Arrested Development. The whole Bluth family was there. He was yet. animating. Don Bluth was nowhere to be found. Dan, continue with your movie. It's called Project Nim. Yeah, it's a documentary about uh, a scientific a experiment where they took a chimp and tried to raise it as a child and teach it sign language to see if the chimp could learn language uh, but the the scientific experiment w- was laughably fuzzy, or at least it would be laughably fuzzy because there was a chimp involved. <laughs> I mean, it was just, fuzzy. It was very unscientific, and it would be funny how unscientific it was if it did not lead to a bunch of sort of unintentional cruelty to this chimp oh. who kept being sort of wrested from various uh, parental figures throughout its life and uh, spending a lot of time in cages uh, toward the end of its life. There is a sort of happy ending if you're scared about seeing an animal get mistreated. But it's kind of like uh, the planet, the new Planet of the Apes movies if there was no ape <laughs> rising. <laughs> so the without the most it. exciting part. Yeah. But uh, it's a really good documentary. Uh, one thing that I have a bit of a reservation about is they use a lot of uh, reenactments in it without necessarily telling you when it's a reenactment, uh. Uh, which I'm not super wild about. But otherwise, it's like Frost good, Nixon. Uh, <laughs> Frost Nixon, yeah. entirely reenactment. It's all apes, but it's a good documentary <laughs> in the Errol Morris style. I didn't. I'm looking it up now. I had never heard of it. It's directed by the same guy who made Man on Wire, yeah, which I liked correct. a lot, and also Theory of Everything, which I haven't seen. Yeah. So that's my recommendation. Project Nim. I'm going to recommend a movie, and you guys can feel free to interrupt me as I'm talking about it. Uh, Meh. <laughs> oh, going to be the big man, huh? The bigger man. Uh, I'm going to recommend a movie called Obvious Child that I enjoyed, starring Jenny Slate, directed by uh, Gillian Robespierre. Not the Robespierre from the French Revolution, oh. but a different person. I was assuming it was that one. Who makes movies. And... Uh, it's a movie about a uh, woman who's a stand-up comedian whose life is a little bit of a mess, and uh, after a one-night stand, she discovers herself to be pregnant. And the dramatic stakes in the movie turned out to be relatively low, but that was fine. It was the movie that I realized afterwards, when I go into a Judd Apatow movie, this is the movie that I want to see, hmm. where I feel like it's genuinely funny at times, but it's also genuinely like, like emotional at times. You don't want to sure. see dudes ever broing down. Well, I never want to see that ever. But also, 
the the emotions and the jokes are kind of woven together into the same fabric as opposed to just kind of like slammed next to each other one after yeah. another. It's a very sweet movie. Yeah. I thought it's a it's a very sweet kind of Loki movie and it continues Loki's in it. Yeah, Loki's in it. And it continues Gabby Hoffman's run as the friend who tells who finds out that her friend is pregnant <laughs> as she also did in Wild. <laughs> so Oh, I thought you were just going to be like Friend who is a weirdo. Well, that too. <laughs> Cammy Hoffman is the go-to weirdo in uh, in yeah. in movies and TV in right modern now. Modern indie movie and TV comedy. Uh, David Cross has a funny scene in it. Uh, the guy who plays Plop from uh, the U.S. Office is in it. Plop. <laughs> oh, is he one of the new guys? Who he's came one of the, the new end? guys. Yeah, yeah, he's in it too. Oh right, yeah. No, I know. He what gets you're nicknamed about. Plop. The guy who was like the second Jim. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and Richard Kind is in it. So be kind, rewind to your local video store, okay. and rent Obvious Child. Does that mean I walk backwards there? Uh, yeah, you have to. Oh, okay. You need to talk backwards the whole time. <laughs> sure, this sounds like I'm in a weird Harry Potter universe. <laughs> like a fucking Neil Gaiman novel. Yeah. I was just sitting here wasting my time trying to think of what an Obvious Child would be backwards. Yeah. I was like, Dilich. Delicious Vivo. Go. Um, anyway. Delicious Vivo. Yeah. So three great recommendations that go oh, great together. Great Who guys. Knows? Yeah, yeah watch, sure. watch them all back to back and tell us whether they come. Possibly a other. trilogy. The drop. Project Nim and Obvious Child are playing at nowhere at the same time. <laughs> They're a terrible triple feature. Well, one has a puppy. One has a monkey, and one has a fetus, I'm assuming. (laughs) There you go. That's the connection. The three animal groups. Small living things. (laughs) It's a really, really loose Now that sounds like the title of an indie movie about a pet shop. Small living things. Mm -hmm. Uh, Or a really bad Japanese translation of the Talking Heads album, Little Creatures. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But this has been... The flop house. It's it's uh, the the, uh, the 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 Japanese translations also be like stay there. It's bright. Uh, and also and also, uh, I'm afraid of these tones. Yep. Yeah. Oh, Japan, your language is very different from ours, and yet you have no words for turtle soup. <laughs> Callback. Uh, but this is a podcast, and for it, <laughs> I've been Dan McCoy. Hey, guys, this is a podcast, and I've been Stuart Wellington. Look, I'm not going to tell you if it's a podcast or not. You live your own life and make up your own mind, but I'm Elliot Kalen. <laughs> Deal night. with it. Good night, everyone. Choose life. Deal with life. <laughs> Choose good night. <laughs> In the south of Dan, Mad how France. How are we checking out? The levels look good. Check our levels. I'm looking at the waveforms, and your levels look fantastic. Okay, how are our levels doing? Love-wise, you're not doing so hot. Uh, Sorry to tell you. I mean, i married and in love, and we have a baby who loves us. Mm-hmm. And I love him. Does your baby really love you, or does he just see you as a source of food and shelter? That's love. Right there. <laughs> okay. Fair enough. Um, you guys all I mean, he also sees me as a source of uh, belly fart kisses. Mm-hmm. So that's and love, deep right? pooping. And yeah, and I clean up his poop. Yeah, <laughs> the deep pooping. <laughs> infant two. The, the deep pooping. Starring Lance Henriksen as infant. 
Frank Infant, <laughs> special agent, undercover as a oh, baby. Oh, wow. I guess he's due. You know, he's due for a career reinvention. Lance Henderson, yeah. He's off making pots somewhere. <laughs> making pots. <laughs> making pots somewhere. Uh, all right. So he's just hammering out metal pots, I assume? Or, he's, uh, he does ceramics. Or is he making time with antipots? Maximumfun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported. Welcome to the Lady to Lady Show. Behind door number one, we have fantastic weekly guests like Aisha Tyler, French Stewart, Retta, and more. Behind door number two, we have road trip and sleepover games like Would You Rather and Never Have I Ever, the kind of games that remind you of being a kid. Door number three brings you fresh hot episodes every Wednesday. You can find them on iTunes and at MaximumFun.org. Now pick a door. Just kidding. They're not real because we're a podcast. You're all winners. And we didn't really think this through. Lady to lady.